0: Hi, I'm Lynn Galadner, and you're listening to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a former journalist and the author of nine books, a writing coach, and a marketing expert. In this show, I interview authors and people in publishing about how they find inspiration, how they build their brands and choose their publishing paths, and most of all, how they find meaning in the mundane. If you want to learn more about how to get your writing career off the ground, visit my website limgalodner.com and check out the classes programs and retreats that I offer and if you like what you hear please give us a five-star review at apple podcasts or on any podcast platform where you find the make meaning podcast I hope these stories give you the courage and confidence to make your writing dreams come true thanks for listening Elizabeth Conti is a California-based writer whose debut book, Finding Jane, which is a cross between Pride and Prejudice and The Time Traveler's Wife, released in the spring of 2022. Her short stories have appeared in anthologies, and her poetry and other writings have been published in the Penguin Review, Plato's Cave, Lost Coast Review, Sad Girls Club Lit, WriterFairies.com, and more. When she's not writing, Elizabeth is reading, gardening, cooking, or sipping a martini or whiskey. She hopes to create stories that move the soul and stir the heart. Today, I am delighted to welcome Elizabeth as our next guest on the Make Meaning podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: It's great to have you here. So I know your first book came out in 2022. So I want to hear about Finding Jane. What inspired it? How long did you work on it? And how has response been since it came out? How long did I work on it? That's that's a big
1: question because I started writing that years ago and I was querying it. And then I wrote another book, which was this book. And then uh-huh. I started querying that and my mom got ill. She got oh. dementia and I kind of had to put everything on hold. Because I took care of her for almost three years until she passed away um, a couple of years ago.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: So all my writing got put on hold. And so when she passed away, I said, you know what? I'm going to go for the gusto because that would be my mom. Like, don't let life pass you by, you know, do it. So I did. And I I worked on it for another year editing because, you know, (laughs) you can write a book, but you have to edit it. People don't realize how long that takes. So that's like a nine-month process for me to work with it. And do all that to get it out because I really wanted it to be, you know, the best it could be. And Mm it had been a while since I touched it, so I put it out. And in the meantime, I put out other writing, short stories, poetry, and I was getting published in other magazines. So I thought this is
0: great, (laughs) you know, making a name (laughs)
1: for myself. So I put it out, and uh, it was my debut novel. And quite honestly, it did really
0: well. Oh, that's (laughs) great! That's awesome.
1: Because you you are a marketing person, I've been in marketing and sales my whole life, so I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, you you, you, you have to market. And it's that big M word that most writers hate, but it kind of makes me excited. And I was marketing a lot, you know, and I just put everything out there to see what stuck. But, you know, I think I, I, brought something different that people are looking for. So Mm -hmm. why, you know, Finding Jane is my homage to Pride and Prejudice. And I I call it Pride and Prejudice Meets the Time Traveler Wife. It's a time travel historical novel about a young woman, modern woman who slips through time to the 19th century and really discovers what relationships, love, family is all about. To put it really brief. Okay. Also the past to find love in the future kind of thing. But what more importantly, what I was trying to do is that I love 19th century literature. You know, mm-hmm. I love the Montes. I love Hawthorne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't get enough of 19th century literature, but let's face it. They're really hard to read. Yes. It's tedious. And uh-huh. I think most people love the stories. They love them when they come out in movies. They're always at the top of the list for historical or yeah. romance or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Not a lot of people are reading the stories. So uh-huh. I wanted to take what I loved about 19th century literature and bring it to the 21st century reader. Okay. To to make it more easier to read. I hate to say that, but just accessible. I I wanted to make it easier to read. But what I love about it, you know, the the details, the the low, the slow build of romance, the ancillary characters, how they're all important, the conversations, the tagging, the adjectives and adverbs that they (laughs) yeah. <laughs> they like writing, but I wanted to bring what I loved about that. It's it's the flavor, it's the the decor of writing, which I love in nineteenth century literature, and wanted to bring it back to the twenty first century reader. So that's what I do, and it's it's different in that I do do a lot of descriptions. Yeah. I I I'm telling you about the dress. I'm telling you how they're walking across the room, because you got to remember, people didn't have television, they didn't yes. have selfies, and so they read in groups and everybody had to imagine this world. Right. And they got that through the words. And and that's what I'm trying to bring back without being too overly wordy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have so many questions about what you just said. So yes, I love that you're doing description because as a writing coach and writing instructor, I, I always talk about showing versus telling. And 100 years ago or more, telling was in favor. And there are great books from that time. But the details were not there. And so you're right. It's up to the reader to infuse it with their own imagination. But I love that rich description and it helps really place the reader there if you don't overdo it, you know, and you give them just enough that they can see things. But I want to sort of probe something you said. You said it did really well. Can you define that for me? Like, how do you define doing really well? Like in terms of number of books sold or number of audience, you know, reviews, or like, tell me how you define that.
1: So in the publishing world, it's really hard to get numbers from the publishing companies. They don't tell you very much. And the articles are really old. And they say that the average debut author from a publishing firm from the big companies sells about 200, 250 books the first year, and then about 500 for the lifetime of the book.
0: Really? Wait, yeah, like, I hold on, we got to stop and think about that. Okay, 200 or 250 in the first year, the average 500 done, total. Yes. And uh-huh. that's from a big publisher in New York,
1: right? That those are the okay. numbers that you can't constantly hear. Now, is it true? We don't know, because they don't give you the numbers. And they don't really okay. are they counting ebooks? Are they not counting books? They're not quite telling you. So you kind of have to pull this information out. Okay, they say that the average uh, indie author sells, you know, like 20 books. I, I don't even think it's that really, hard. It's it's bad.
0: <laughs> okay, no, this is so helpful because you know my first novel just launched, and I I felt like it should have done better, but now I feel like I'm doing really well based on these numbers. Cool, yay, woohoo! Okay, great. But I think um, kind of you know there's kind of these articles like oh look how bad the indies are doing. You now there are people
1: who're selling thousands of books. They're doing yeah. great. Yeah. So for my debut book, I've sold. In the first year, I saw, I hit my 500. I was over 500 books.
0: Wow! And then wow.
1: I've continued to do well. And I haven't quite met a thousand yet in, in my year and a half, my year and a half. So so as an indie, I, I'm like, Whoa, that's great. That's, great. I mean, that's really good. But I'm going to tell your audience, it is marketing. I still market my first book. Okay. I market it every month. And when I market, I get sales. And I okay. get sales every month. I don't think I've had a month yet without
0: sales. Now, is it one Six. or two? Is it 20? Okay, so wait, talk to me about what you do. So you market every month. And you know, listen, we're speaking the same language here. I'm a marketer. I'm like fascinated about what you're saying. But I do think that people listening to the podcast are going to want to know specifics. So mm-hmm. going back to our details and adjectives and all that stuff. Can you talk a little bit about some of the techniques or tactics that you use for marketing that you think have been the most successful? As a marketing person, I always thought I'm gonna create a class to tell people,
1: but I haven't found the answer yet. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you now and your readers and your writers, there is, there is no magic pill. And I have listened to all the seminars and everybody promising sales because I've been marketing for years, 20 something years, and I don't want to hate myself. Uh So, you know, I'm always looking to see what are they doing? What's right? What's wrong? I have literally thrown everything at the wall.
0: So like break this down though, because some of our listeners may not have any clue what you're talking about. So when I say
1: I've thrown everything at the wall. Okay. So when I, when I first did Finding Jane, I contacted all the newspapers across the country, got an interview with the LA Times. That was job. So here's the thing. I contacted every newspaper in the United States and I got one. And I think that's where people don't understand the grabbing on and, you know, just keep on doing it because you don't just stop at one. You write all of them. Mm -hmm. I wrote every radio company I could in California because I'm from California. Mm -hmm. I wrote all my little publishing magazines across the cities. Here's the thing. If you don't live in that city, they won't do an article about you. I mean, I, like I said, I've tried everything. I've contacted all my libraries that I could in my area to say, hey, buy my book. So. That, those are the big publishing things, you know, I was okay. in, a, I, I did an ad in um, a major magazine, which, you know, was great to say I did it, but I don't think it got me any sales. So I'll just, okay. I'll just okay. leave it at that. But I tried it. So I was, I was in uh, local magazines for me, I got in there, I got at the LA Times, I got in a, a magazine. And then I did lots of podcasts mm-hmm. and that's just reaching out, you know, that's just talking to people and saying, Hey, I have this book. I'd like to talk. And I have something that I need to talk about, not just my book, because what I'm doing is trying to create a new category called literary romance versus, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to do something different. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we need as, as a, um, a as, writer. A, hook. as, a, as hook. a hook, but yeah. what is
0: the purpose of your writing and why do people want to know you? Okay. You so to- stop. So <laughs> hold on. What is the purpose of your writing? And mm-hmm how do you want people to know you yeah that's a fantastic question and how did you come to it and how do you answer the question
1: well, again, I've been marketing my whole life, yep. <laughs> so I think it's just an intuitive thing. Any Anything, whether you're selling a pen, a book, yourself, you have to have a reason why you want somebody to come to you okay. for that item. Okay. And I, I, I know my target audience. Uh-huh. So who's my target audience and what uh-huh. are they looking for? So when I go to somebody and say, okay, my writing, I'm trying to take 19th century literature and bring back to the 21st century woman, that's my tag. Okay, and like, well, what does that mean, you know? Sure. So why does that make me different from somebody else who writes something? Why am I not romance? Why am I not literary? I yeah. have answers to all of that to explain who I am and what what I write
0: and who I write for. Those so tell r- me, tell me the answers. I actually was curious about, I love the tagline. I think it's fantastic, but I don't know what it means to, to say you're taking everything you love about 19th century literature and bringing it to the 21st century reader. And how does a reader say, that's me? So talk to me about that. Writing is going to be,
1: I guess, want to say more colorful. Um, colorful. In writing today, what they're publishing, it's get to the point, show the action, show everything, yep. no taglines, get rid of those adjectives and those adverbs. You know, it's, it's, I'm a
0: fan of. Adjectives. I am completely against adverbs because I think strong verbs make all the difference in a sentence. Oh. and so I, I, I really—and I hate the word really—cannot stand adverbs unless they're so deserved. And okay, there's so, a confusion when they are. So I'll okay. Be so
1: can I tell you? Can I? Can I convince you why? Adverbs you can are, try. You have okay, like. So ma- I, yeah, <laughs> I was in uh, men's manufacturing. I was in men's clothing, mm-hmm. and I worked for a dress shirt company and tie company and, and clothing company. Okay. To me, adverbs—it's like having a beautiful tailored suit and a crisp, beautiful, stylish shirt
0: and no tie. Mm. You didn't convince me, and this is why. <laughs> because I'm telling you, I, I love that image. It's a beautiful image, and I love. Or that not you're trying in nice shoes,
1: right?
0: <laughs> but and I get what you're saying, and yes, you need the complete outfit. But in my opinion, adverbs are the way to boost lazy verbs. And when you choose your verbs wisely, and you have a great, you know, textured action word that shows you. So for example, you know, I ran quickly. So you could say I sprinted, I galloped, I loped. And each of those evokes a different vision. And I ran quickly is just like, okay, well, I don't see you running. I mean, ran, okay, but quickly or clumsily or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you can find a verb that will do that. Yes, sometimes you need adverbs, but I don't know. That's just my perspective. Well,
1: I think there's a balance. Now, I write old world. Well, I write single story. Right now I'm writing historical. My next novel is going to be contemporary. Okay. But old world, I like the adverbs because Mm -hmm. I think it's reminiscent of the way they used to write. Like, for example, my tagging, I do a lot of tags in my novels and people hate that. Like she questioned or, you know, he growled or whatever. And they don't do that today, Uh but they did in old world. And I think that's why I, I I don't like to poo poo anything because I think our writing, you know, has an essence to it. And so adverbs are needed. Mm -hmm. I don't like no adverbs. I think they're needed and they, they help help with the detail of, and, and they enrich the writing. When necessary. So I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. We can but meet in there. My, my old world we, writing, I use. I love adverbs.
0: Okay, so we can meet in the middle because yes, yeah, when they're the necessary, thing. I can allow that. But I'm going to say <laughs> they're not often necessary. So let's get back to you. That's mm-hmm. a great conversation, though, and I do hope our listeners enjoy it because <laughs> we're obviously word nerds who geek out on this stuff, yeah. and it's the most fun conversation I've had in a week. So very cool. <laughs> okay, good.
1: <laughs> okay, so okay. going back to the marketing, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, you, I threw a lot of things. So I did a big picture. Like I said, I contact radio shows. I contact newspapers, magazines, do, do, do. Okay. That's all good. And you have to wait to hear from them. Yep. And like I said, you, you throw yourself out to everybody and you'll hear maybe from one person. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I tell you, you know, the writers are here. I, I call up companies and, you know, radio posts and go, Hey, I'm a writer. Do, how do I get people to view my book? I mean, they don't talk to you. So don't be yes. afraid to call people. I, yes. you know, I don't think that's a problem. Okay. Bookstores, if I visited a city, I would drop in and say, Hey, or my daughter is going, School in Wisconsin and I contacted some stores saying, Hey, I'm gonna be visiting Wisconsin. I'd love to come and talk at your store. And they bought my book, you know. So nice constantly, not constantly selling, but introducing yourself. Okay. That's what you want to do. I'm not one to constantly talk about my book. I talk more about my writing and what I'm trying to do versus my book. Okay. Uh, So and then let's get down to the nitty-gritty. People say I hate TikTok. I don't want to do Instagram. I don't want to do you got to. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you now, but you got to find where your audience is. Yeah. And go concentrate on that. Now I'm on everywhere because I'm trying to rein in my audience and trying to reach them. I, my target audience is literally probably a 35 year old to 65 is my core. Okay, I think everybody needs to find out who their core is. Can sure. I reach a 25 to 35 year olds? Absolutely. I think this book does that. My last book probably didn't are women older reading my book? Absolutely. I've gone to a lot of book clubs and they love it. So yep. don't, but I, I do say, and, and again, you have the core and then you have the outer circle and then you have the bigger and people tend to concentrate on too many things. Concentrate yeah. on your, Where's your core customer? What are they doing? Are they on Facebook or the Instagram? Mm-hmm. My customer happens to be on Instagram and on TikTok, but I can't mm-hmm. quite reach them yet. So I'm trying to learn how to do that. Okay. Um, and then with that, it's, I don't know if you've looked at some of my Instagram stuff, but I, I'm a gardener and I photograph flowers really close and I photograph uh-huh. like I, I make drinks and things like that. So I'm I'm giving an essence of who I am, an mm-hmm. essence of my writing. I have a tagline. I'm creating beauty for the mind. And that's my tagline of who I am. Everything mm-hmm. I do, I want to create beauty because I think we live in a world that's really ugly. And I don't want to, I don't want to add to that. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's gonna come and go to my Instagram site or read one of my books, they're gonna know, oh, I'm gonna escape. I'm gonna mm-hmm. have some beauty in my mind. Now it doesn't mean something that's pretty, like we all mm-hmm. say, Oh, that's a pretty woman or that's a pretty scene or whatever, mm-hmm. but beauty is is something that you feel. It's an mm-hmm. inherent like, ah. Feel good. I want to be here. I want to experience this. Yeah. So my Instagram, my TikToks, everything. I try to give them a balance of not just here's my book, buy it. Yeah. This is what my book's about. It's more like, oh, when I open up Elizabeth Conti, she's going to show me dresses that she, you know, were was inspired by for her writing, or she's going to show me her flowers for the summer, or she might have made a great drink. I want to go find out what it is.
0: Right. Right. That's awesome.
1: Of who I am, and that's kind of like this. Going back, my adverbs—it's—it's it's adding detail and color and and depth to my writing and my books and my stories.
0: Awesome, that's awesome. Okay, so I want to pivot and talk about Chosen Mistress, your mm-hmm. next book. And so, tell me about that one and its journey into the world. Okay, so
1: Finding Jane is about a young woman who goes back to nineteenth um, century. It's eighteen thirties. I wanted to be right past Pride and Prejudice. You know, in an era where um, there was a lot going on socially but it's not so well known because people expect regency they expect this kind of look. Okay. So when i was doing research for that, i came across all this great stuff. <laughs> and i was like, "Ooh, interesting." And it just started the wheels turning and the story like hit me. I mean, I remember i was sitting at my in-laws' house in bed and i all of a sudden i'm like, "Oh my god, i got my next book." It uh-huh. was that it was like a download came to uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. So all that information on, on women, because I, you know, when you do historicals, you have to look up a lot, like, how do they eat? What silverware do they use? What's their underwear look like? How do they bathe? How do they brush their teeth? Like, there's so much you know that you don't put in a book, but you have to understand, like, especially for Jane, who was coming, going back to the 19th century, she's a modern woman. And how did I make everybody feel like she was really there as a modern woman? She just didn't fold into this, you know, 19th century world. Yeah. How did she fit in? And so you have to understand what life was like on a day-to-day basis. What medicines? How did you get sick? How did you get cured? You know, I'm just telling Mm -hmm. you there's so many things. So that's all in my head. Okay, That's when my book just kind of came down. And Chosen Mistress is about two cousins, her closest sisters, and they get separated kind of when they're becoming women. Years later, the one that left to go to America is found penniless and broke. I mean, penniless and homeless. Okay. So her cousin back in England says, hey, come and live with me. Mm-hmm. and and we'll share our lives together but when she get, when um charlotte gets there she finds out that life isn't so perfect in england and mm. lydia asks charlotte to help
0: her save her marriage mm.
1: and that is to become her husband's mistress
0: Ooh, scandalous
1: it is scandalous it's scintillating <laughs> and it's people go well, why and i go Well, i we have to read the book <laughs> so it's this and and it's a beautiful story. It's not it's not erotica, it's not steamy. It is a scintillating deep look at women's roles, marriage, this Victorian lifestyle that was seemingly so pure. Uh-huh. I kind of like fell into that world of like, oh, this is so fascinating. Yeah, we always this image of beautiful Victorian, and I'm like, Mm-mm. I'm going to show you the dark side, and not a dark side like evil, horrible. The yeah. dark side of probably day to day life of women and what they had to deal with, and and mm-hmm. so, I, I, you know, that's what that's how I got there. It's like that's okay. what I want to write, and it's. Okay. It's a journey. It's a ride. And it's romantic. And it's beautiful. And it's got
0: lots of oh, no. Well, I'm going to ignore that one. And we're going to just ask you a question about so chosen mistress came out when and how when did you start working on it?
1: So I started working on Oh, this was years ago. So it was right after finding Jane. And I when I was querying that Mm -hmm. I um, started this one. Mm-hmm. And then again, I put it on hold when I was taking care of my mother. So now mm-hmm. it was back out. So after I finished Finding Jane and published it, I said, I'm going to put out this book too. Because, you know, my first book is a historical. This is a historical. I don't particularly write historical. That's not my, my GM. Mm-hmm. I want to be a single story author. So I write what I want to write. Okay. okay. <laughs> so my next book is going to be contemporary, but what I'm giving you through every single book, every time you pick up my book, you're going to have these deep layered stories. So if you just like fluff, you're going to get it. But if you like deep layered characters and underlying meaning and history, mm-hmm. you're going to get it. You're mm-hmm. going to get romantic. You're going to get romance, not romance. You're going to get romantic heartfelt stories that you're going to fall into and so whether it's historical or not i hope to always carry that that thing that you're going to feel every time you read
0: one of my books okay cool so so you you said you were querying finding jane and i know you published at indie so was that a choice or was that a oh i can't find anybody to take me on so i'm going to go no, this way you
1: know i i know i i just love this this whole industry and please publish, publishers don't get mad at me if you don't fit into a box yeah you're, you're put aside. And so what sure. did I just say at the very beginning? I was doing something different. Right. See, I started this industry because in this industry, because I couldn't find a book that I like to read. It was okay. kind of like I wanted romantic. I didn't want quote romance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I wasn't finding that. And it was very genre driven. I I like more literary, and w- when I say that, because people think oh that's snobby. What I'm saying is literary is very um, is character driven, mm-hmm. where genre literature like um, mystery or romance or you know fantasy they're they're um, plot driven,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and for readers maybe they won't understand that, but for writers you'll understand. So I like character driven stories. I don't okay. like fun driven. Okay. Um, not that I don't like, I just don't read them very often. Yeah, sure. Um so I wanted, but I wanted romantic and I, uh-huh. I wanted the romance, the love story, but I wanted it in in a character driven book. Okay. So that's why I call myself literary romance, because I have I bring the romantic back to romance.
0: <laughs> okay. Got it.
1: So I wasn't finding what I was wanting. So I so that tells you right there and then yeah. the industry wasn't putting out that thing. Sure, sure. I would get people who, and I got agents and publishing companies alike, which was nice. Mm-hmm. And you know, asking for my manuscript, telling me it was a great read. They love my the characters, love the story, but we don't know where to put you.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: That was got the it. biggest we don't know where to put you. Okay. So it's like, because I don't fit into a box. What do you where do you put me? Like there, right. there's a category called literary romance.
0: Right, right, right. Romance
1: and you're not writing literary, you know, I'm not, yeah, you know, I'm I'm writing romantic stories. And it's like, yes. well,
0: what do you do with that? But I think people want that. Yes. Well it seems <laughs> so, like um, it from the from the stats that you shared. Yeah. yeah absolutely.
1: I, and I, I when I taught when I talk at book clubs, I know there are people out there that want that. Yeah. So when I again when I started writing again, I'm like, I don't have two years to query, another year and a half, two years to get a book out. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get my books out. Yeah. And, you know, the publishing agent is very slow. It mm-hmm. can take mm-hmm. four to six months to hear back from an agent. Mm-hmm. And I did that in gusto. You know, I sent it out to everybody I knew mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know what, I'm going to try this indie thing. And I didn't want to do that. But I, I love it because I get to control everything.
0: Yeah, It's yeah. so
1: great. I'm a creative. I get to create, write what I want. Uh-huh. No, saying, Oh, you gotta cut this, you gotta cut that. Mm-hmm. Can you change the name? Can you do that? You no, know, I get to write what I want, the way mm-hmm. I want it, the way I want to read it. And then I get to have all the creative edge of like the cover and how I want my book to look and
0: yeah, I love it. No, I am the same way. I totally agree. And I know you created an, an imprint, Jane Wrights Press. Mm-hmm. So I, I love to hear about strong women writers making conscious decisions about how to publish. So tell me a little bit about what your vision is for the press. Is it just for your books or are you looking to no. publish other authors?
1: Yeah. So so when I started Jane Wrights Press, what I really wanted to do was have my own publishing backend for people who were like me who were not fitting in a box who wrote like I write, who write literary romantic things. I just haven't found that person yet. <laughs> and this and have a house that so anytime somebody sees a Jane Wright's press book, they'll know that they're getting this kind of writing, this kind of feeling in a book. So that's why I started it, just so yeah. that so there was other writers out there that could um have a house. Yes. So I'm under. assuming
0: it's hybrid. Yes.
1: Yes. Well, it's, it's in development. So really what I want is more people like me who are taking on their costs, but need a house to print under.
0: Yeah. That's, that's hybrid. Does that that's make sense? It is. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. Um, well,
1: you know, I'm not going to pay for your, for your
0: additional publisher.
1: Uh, it's going to have to be, you're going to have to have all that. And, and it's expensive. Don't, you know, this, you know, Covers are expensive. You need professional editing. I say this all the time. People might kill me for it because, like, I do it on my own.
0: Mm-mm.
1: No, I agree with you. Letter, and I'm yeah. learning you need a professional proofreader because yes. i yeah. my book, yes. and it costs you money. But this is this is about building a business. This isn't about just writing a book or telling a story.
0: You're absolutely right. I want to know what your writing process is like. Do you have a set schedule or certain days, times? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. I, I read a lot of posts on Facebook about people like, well, how do you find time to to write when you work or you have kids? I'm going to tell everybody the first Finding Jane and Chosen Mistress in my, my new book that I'm working on, but it'll be life of her. I wrote when I had kids uh-huh. and Finding Jane, literally I wrote from 11 o'clock at night when everybody went to bed uh-huh. till about two or three in the morning. Uh-huh. I get into bed. I'd wake up three hours later and start my family life and do it all over again. And I, wow. you know, it was just, I was excited about it. You know, I yeah. wanted to write. Yeah. But that was the only time that I had. And, yeah. it, you know, it took me probably a little over a year, maybe a year and a couple months okay. to finish. The manuscript, but I didn't have it edited, you know, yeah. um, and then I, you know, it takes you a couple months to clean it up. So uh-huh. when I was getting good results, like people were asking for, I'm like, you know what, I like, I like this writing thing. So I have my own business. I'm in interior design, so I could take clients on or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had that luxury I uh, you you have that luxury take it. So I would write during the day too. I'd get up in the morning, I'd write for a couple hours I if I had a project to work on I'd go do some houses and then I'd come home and write at night whenever I have free time I would write and that's what you have to do you you have to sacrifice being with your family with your kids <laughs> to
0: to write if you want to finish a book or you, like you really know. you really have to want it. you really have to want it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and sleep is not, you know, I don't, I don't need a lot of sleep, so I did. When it came to, uh, I think my third book, I, I just went full gusto and wrote all day long when I could and fit in clients. Like, oh yeah, I have, I can do that. No, I can't. Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't until I published Finding Jane when I was working on Chosen Mistress. So I published, and I said I, I gave up. It was last year, a year and a half ago. I gave Mm -hmm. up my business
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: okay. i said I'm, I'm not doing that anymore i just can't i yeah. write you know eight six eight hours a day
0: okay cool awesome so as we near the end of our conversation i would love to hear what advice you might like to offer aspiring writers who are listening to this podcast
1: well first of all i, I meet so many writers who say oh, i'm writing Write and yeah. get it done mm-hmm. period don't don't tell keep on telling me people like your story just get it done yes You know, right. After that, you can go back and edit and you can refine it and you can make it better, but just get the story out. That's Mm -hmm. just my process. Okay, I write haphazard scenes. Uh I I don't write them in chronological order, but whatever you do, get it done. And I think, you know, the marketing thing What I said, when you write, Mm -hmm. everybody says, oh, I have a story to write. No, this Mm -hmm. is, this is about a career. Yeah. Know what you write. Mm Mm-hmm know who you write for, know why you do it mm-hmm. <laughs> and what you want to accomplish with that. You need goals as to what the purpose is of your writing. Otherwise, you're just doing a hobby or you're just sure. telling somebody a story. I'm yeah. a novelist. I am a writer. And so I I know my market. I know who I'm writing for. I know why I'm writing. I know what I'm doing. And so every time I think of a story, I can cater to to what and who I'm writing for.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. But I
1: don't write to an audience. I write Mm -hmm. what I want to write, but I write it for my audience. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And the
1: third thing I would say, get an editor. I know people think their friends can do it or other writers can do it, but if you want to be a professional in this world and compete with the big guys, get an editor slash proofreader.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get what you pay for, you know? So there are wonderful people who will generously read and give you feedback, but it it may not be what you really need to make it stronger. And that's the goal. So Elizabeth Conti, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. And I appreciate you being on the Make Meaning Podcast.
1: I'm so glad I got to meet you.
0: Tell your audience,
1: go listen to your other stuff because you're great. Oh, thank you. I really (laughs) enjoy them. You're really wonderful. I think you ask really great questions that we all learn from. I've learned so much, even from your interviews from other people who interview you.
0: I've learned so much. Thank you. That means the world. It's been great chatting (laughs) with you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngalodner.com.